Thank you for listening to our podcast today from Crossroads, South Arkansas. I am teaching Pastor David Preston, Jr. I pray that the words you hear will bring you closer to God and encourage you as you go through your day and week. Thanks again for joining us. We've uh, talked the last uh, couple weeks about the five senses, and we've talked about uh, tasting, and we've talked about uh, seeing, and today we're going to talk about touch. And I was thinking about this this morning, uh, after I got here early this morning, and we're getting things ready, and I was trying to think if if one of these five were taken away from me, which one would I want? Which would be the worst one to have taken away? What's the one that's most important to me? And every time I made my mind up on one of the five, I was like, now you can't have that. It's got to be a different one. And so I'd pick a different one. And I was like, no, that these are all so important to everything we do in our life. And when you consider that there's people that are living without some of these senses, it, it makes me very grateful and thankful for what I have and what I'm able to do, what I'm able to see, what I'm able to, to, to reach out and touch, what I can hear, what I can taste, what I can experience. It makes me thankful for what I have. And it really brings out I get a, a compassion for those who don't aren't as fortunate as what I have, that are missing some of these senses that I take for granted every day. And so, if you're thinking about that, which one of these would you be okay with missing? And I'm pretty sure all of us would say, well, as long as I have them all, I don't want to lose any of them. And they're that important in our physical lives, but they're that important in our spiritual lives as well. Um, today, we're going to talk about touch. And this is one that, as I've was preparing these messages, this was one that there's a lot of Scripture references we could have used for this. There's there's a lot. But I really had to pray hard on where God wanted me to go, what direction He wanted me to go. And it, This was, out of the five, this one was probably the, the hardest to get, come up with my game plan, so to speak. Um, just because there are some different things we could talk about, but I, I, I just feel like God's led me this way, so we're going to talk about this, and and hopefully it'll it'll come together and make sense. But we're going to talk about touch today. We're going to look at it to to touch something. You have to have certain parts of your body. You have to have well, the biggest thing is your skin. Okay, and we'll talk about that why here in just a second. Um, but the, the skin is just is very important. It covers 21, well, okay, the average person. I'm probably a little bit higher than this, okay? But um, the average person, your skin covers about 21 square feet of your body. That's that's a lot. Um, it's the largest organ in your body. Some of y'all in high school or in school probably remember hearing that your skin is the largest organ. If all of your skin was taken off, put on the scale, it would weigh for the average person about nine pounds. Um, so it's... Uh, it's there. It's there's substance in it. There's something that's holding it together inside your skin. Uh, there's 11 miles of blood vessels inside your skin. Think about that. You take all the blood vessels in your skin, put them together, it would stretch for 11 miles. 
I mean, I think this is a whole different sermon, but somebody tell me that, that something just happened and we just came to be like that. There's no way that a human body can have the intricacies that our ha ours have by chance. They're divinely inspired and created. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to chase that rabbit any further. Your skin has a protective layer that protects you from viruses, from bacteria that would get into you any other way if not. It's hot outside. This, this was really interesting to me. This fact was hot. It's hot. Um, we went up Friday night to the football game, and in Springdale that night it was about 63 degrees. Um, it was like heaven. Um, it was great. I was sitting there in my shorts and my shirt, and I got a chill, and I was like, man, where did this been my whole life? It's been hot outside. We come back home, and it's normal. Um, hot. Your body on a hot day will sweat about three gallons of sweat a day. Now we all need to go take showers. Blech. And on a normal day, you will sweat about three gallons of sweat a day. That's disgusting. Um, some of y'all are thinking, I don't sweat that much. Yeah, it's pretty much on average. I sweat a lot. They used to make fun of me in the grocery store when I would work in the freezer because I'd be in this freezer that was at 17 degrees and they'd come check on me and I would have sweat dropping off my face. I sweat. I need to go take a shower now. But three gallons a day of sweat. But here's the interesting part. Here's another part. The areas right above your lips or around your lips. Your eardrums, of all things. Around your nail beds. That skin never sweats because your body protects itself. And keeps the moisture in your body where it needs to be. Somebody tell me we just happened one day. That's another sermon. I'm not going to do it. We all have fingerprints. We've all heard and we all know that the fingerprints are there or we all have unique fingerprints. No one's fingerprint matches yours. And that's exactly true. That's 100% true. Your fingerprint is unique from every other person in the world, in the history of the world, and the future history of the world. You are uniquely made. But God didn't put fingerprints on us so Anthony could catch us one day when we did something bad. That's not why they're there. The fingerprints give your hands texture so when you pick something up, you can grab it. Put on something, a pair of slick gloves and then put on a pair of texture gloves and tell me which is easier to hold something with. It's the ones with texture. And that's what your fingerprints provide. It provides texture on your fingers. We're also a pretty nasty <coughs> organism because our skin dies and it falls off and it sheds. Your skin sheds about 50,000 cells every minute. So while y'all are sitting there in that pew, by the time I get done, y'all will have shed hundreds of thousands of skin cells. Ugh. That's nasty. That's why Baptists sit in the same seat every Sunday. You know whose guests are sitting in Some of y'all are thinking, I didn't sit here last week. Who am I sitting in? 50,000 dead skin cells drop off of you every minute. Our dead skin cells account for about a billion pounds of dust in the atmosphere right now. 
Yeah, we're breathing this thing. <laughs> Sorry, Coach. <laughs> Sorry. Coach just put a peppermint in his mouth and immediately put it right back out. And put it <laughs> Our skin does a lot of good and stuff we'd just rather not know about. But now you do. Thanks. You're welcome. There you go. But here's the thing. Our skin also has five different types of receptors in it that lets us know very quickly when something is hot or cold, when something hurts, or when something feels good. Five different types of receptors in the skin that can let you know something. How many of you ever touched a hot stove? You only do it once. Okay? Hopefully. You only do it once. Okay? One of the things that we used to do to athletes, and they still get it done, is if you sprained an ankle, we'd get a five-gallon bucket, fill it full of water, dump it full of ice, and call it an ice bucket. And you'd have to put your feet down in there for 15 minutes. The first three minutes of that is the most pure, awful feeling you've ever had in your life. But then after that, your body adjusts to it. And really, after three minutes, if you act like you're hurting, it's just all in your brain. It's not what you're really feeling because your body can adjust to the cold temperature. First three minutes is awful. Done. But after that, your body can adjust and tell you what you're feeling. We've been there. We tell our kids not to touch that. I know when we're in the kitchen and the twins come running in and the oven is on, we panic because we don't want them touching that this hot. We don't want them to burn themselves. When we're cooking on the stove, we make them back up so we don't drop anything on them because we don't want their skin or them to be hurt. We don't want that. It's something that's very important to us. That touch is important. One of the things that uh, I think is very important to skin, to our sense of touch, to what we have, is the feelings that it can give us. <clears throat> I know when I use my sense of sight and I look at a rose, how pretty it is. But if I reach out and grab it by the stem, it's going to cause pain. So you know to be careful. The senses will work together to allow you to know we shouldn't do some things to enjoy the beauty of it. And touch is the same way. You know, I, I, I want to want to uh, talk about this story came to mind <clears throat> and I've already talked about this slide so I'm going to move on past it here pretty quick but when when I was 18 our, our parents uh, mom and dad and I got to go to Russia on a mission trip with lay witnesses for Christ and same group that we'll be going to Japan with in the next year and I was just out of high school, got to go to Russia, and we had boxes and boxes of Bibles written in the Russian language, just countless boxes. And every time we got off a plane or onto a train or into the car, we were moving boxes. And I, if I remember right, there were about 50 Bibles in each box. Um, we would go out on the streets and would just set up on a street corner. And we were you know, in Moscow for a week and in St. Petersburg for a week, and we would go out on the streets, open up these boxes, and just start passing out Bibles. And at that time, Russia wasn't too long out of the communist state. Um, they, they were free at this time, but it hadn't been too long. 
And we would open up those Bibles and people would literally flock to us to get them. We could not keep Bibles on the streets of Russia. As soon as we opened them, people would run to us. They would see what we were handing them. They would read the cover of it and then would go and turn and show it to other people and say, come get one, come get one. They had the Word of God in their hands which for so long had been illegal if they got caught, they would could be put in prison because they worshiped God or they they had a Bible and now they were able to have it, to hold it in their hands. You could see how special it was to them. We went to a church while we were there, and I think I told you this story before. The church was in the basement of a business or of a of a business, of a building. To go to church, they literally had to go underground to have church. That's where they went. Everything was illegal and now it was all new. And they literally were holding the Bible in their hands and were telling everybody, come get a Bible, come get a Bible. We would take anywhere from five to ten of these boxes of Bibles with us and would pass them out. We'd plan on being there for a few hours and would have them passed out in 30, 45 minutes. At 50 a box. They were hungry for it. And what I want us to see about that touch is you can see something, you can taste something, you can smell something, you can hear whatever it is that you want, but until it's in your hands, until you touch it, you don't have it. I could have a million dollars sitting right here on this front pew and there's not, don't come up running. But I could and I could see it. I might could even smell it. Y'all know how money smells? It smells good. It's weird, but it smells. I could maybe even smell it. I'm not going to taste it. I'm not going to do that. But I could do all of that. But until I picked up that money and took it and put it in my bank, it's not mine. It's theirs. But possession means so much. And to the Russians, to possess, to hold, to feel that Bible in their hand, you could literally see how much it meant to them. Now, a couple years later, we went to Atlanta, Georgia for the Olympics and they brought Bibles in English and we were going out on the streets of Atlanta to pass out Bibles. And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. We did it in Russia. Folks, I was having to reverse pickpocket people to give away a Bible in Atlanta. I was having to go sneak it in their purse when they weren't looking because they didn't want it. We couldn't give them away in Atlanta. Or if we did give them away, we'd find them about half a block down the street on the ground where whoever took it just dropped it. In Russia, they were hungry for the Word of God to have it in their possession. And in our country, we couldn't even give it away. Because in our country, maybe it's because we've seen it. We've had it. It's not that important to us anymore. But if it's not, why isn't it? Why isn't it that important? You know, Jesus, there's plenty of instances through the Bible where Jesus knew the importance of His touch. He knew the power of His touch. You know, I sit here and think about my situation in my life, and right now the twins, I talk about them a lot because they provide a lot of illustrations right now. They're at that age. Um, usually Timmy and Sydney, their illustrations are if they've gotten in trouble. That's so 
if I don't talk about them, they're happy. But the twins do a lot of stuff right now. And, and the other night, uh, I was laying in the bed, and Heather was in the bed, and the, the door came open, and it was one of the mornings. Lincoln will get out of her bed, and I can't believe he still wants help, but Lincoln will get out of her bed. And, and I heard the door to our bedroom open, and I felt the covers at the end of the bed start tugging, and sure enough, I felt the little scrambling up onto the bed. And she got right up next to me and laid down and put her head right next to mine, and I could feel it. And she snuggled up as close as she could get, and she put her hand up on my arm and started rubbing it. And as a dad, I just I melted. I was just like, isn't that the sweetest thing ever? But you know, she didn't do that for me. She wasn't rubbing my arm so I would feel good. It gave her comfort to be out, be able to reach out and feel secure. So by rubbing my arm, she felt secure. Now the thing about Lincoln was five minutes after that, she does cartwheels in the bed. So she's tossing, turning, kicking. Her feet were on my head next, and that wasn't a pleasant feeling. And she's all over the place. Now, McKinley, when she does come to the bed, she will get right up next to you and she will wedge herself as tight in under your body as she can. It's like she wants to be surrounded by you. She gets as close as she can. She'll wedge herself up under you to where you actually wonder if she's okay. But when she's there, that's when she's happy. And she'll slide right up under you. No matter which position they're in, no matter what they're touching or how they're doing it, they're just trying to be secure. And they do it to Heather too. It's not just me, but they're trying to be secure and be protected where they are. Why'd they come in there? I don't know. They woke up and usually they get scared for some reason. <laughs> so when they come into the room, they come into mom and daddy's room and climb up in the bed, they get close to who they know is going to protect them. When we get scared in our lives, do we get close to who we know is going to protect us? Or do we run away from our protector? Do we wedge ourselves up under the protection of God? Or do we get close enough that we can reach out and hold His arm or hold His hand just to know that we're safe? Touch is so important. Heather, my wife, loves it when we're walking places and she wants to hold hands. She loves to hold my hand. She loves me to hold her hand. But I'm going to be 100% honest here. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do. Not because I don't love my wife. Not because I don't like holding. My thought is we, we were in the sixth grade a long time ago. For walking through the mall, I don't need to hold your hand to know that you're going to be with me. It's weird. I know I'm wrong. I get it. Okay? I get it. So don't get mad at me and tell me how wrong I am. I know I'm wrong. But that's just my mindset with it. But she loves it. So every once in a while, we'll be walking through Walmart and I'll reach out and hold her hand. And I'm expecting her to say, Oh, thank you so much. And she looks at me and she says, What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? She said, you're holding my hand. Something's wrong. What'd you do? I'm like, I'm trying to be nice. I know you like this. Well, you did something wrong. That's where I'm at right now, folks. Um, but I know what's important to her. I know that when we're sitting next to each other, she wants my hand to be around her. 
for my arm to be around her. She wants to hold hands or she wants me to have my hand on her leg. She likes that touch. It's there. Because it's comfort. It's, it's intimate. It's love. It matters. It matters. And it's the same way with our sense of touch with God. If we're so far away from God that we can't feel His touch, then we don't have that intimate relationship with God that we need. If I'm so far away from my life that we never hold hands, we never hug, we never do anything like that, we're missing that simple connection that God has given our bodies to feel the love we have from each other. Those receptors in our skin can tell when someone touches you and it's a touch of love. Your body releases chemicals that make you feel good because of a touch. Do, we, do you realize that? When you get touched and it's a touch of love, your body will re release chemicals that make you feel good. In the same breath, if somebody reaches out and grabs you and it's a hurtful touch, your body will release chemicals that will make your body wonder what in the world's going on. Touch can make us react in so many ways, in so many situations. <clears throat> it's so important. And I think this was so hard for me to come up with my direction this morning because it, the touch is so important. It can tell us so much about ourselves. Jesus knew the power of His touch. But He also knew His touch could heal but he also knew that his touch created that intimacy we were talking about. He knew when he was here on this earth what that skin, what his touch could do. And he knew the healing power he had in his hands. But he also knew the loving power he had in his hands. He knew when someone needed to be touched with healing, but he also knew when someone needed to be touched with love. The easiest verses would have this to teach or preach this sermon would have been when we're talking about the woman that had the blood issue that walked up and touched the hem of his garment. That would have been the easiest one to talk about, but we're not going to talk about that today. That touch was important because it showed the faith that she knew if she could just reach out and touch him, he could change her life. But we're not going to look about us reaching out to touch Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus reaching out to touch us. That's what we're going to look at today as we go through this. Now, one thing I want us to understand here is that Jesus healed many by touching them even though He didn't have to. He would physically touch people to heal them. We're going to look at a couple of uh, situations here. Just, just quickly, just go through, through here where Jesus touched somebody to heal them. Peter's mother-in-law was healed when Jesus touched her hand. He touched the eyes of a blind, man, a blind man and healed them, or blind men and healed them. He put his fingers into the ears of a deaf man and returned his hearing. He touched the lifeless hand of a girl on her deathbed and raised her from the dead. All these things Jesus literally reached out and touched and created a healing in their life. Even to the point of bringing somebody back from the dead. He could touch to heal. But He didn't have to. In uh, 
Luke chapter 17, 12 through 14. We're not going to go there, but we're told in that story about the time that Jesus met ten lepers in the village. And instead of touching them, He told them to go to the priest. And on their way to the priest, their leprosy went away. He healed them without touching them. Yes, His hands were powerful. And yes, a lot of times in maybe in a crowd, it made a difference for Him to reach out and touch somebody to give them that physical example of His healing power in His hands. And He, he did that. But then there were other times where all He had to do was speak the Word. He didn't walk into Lazarus' tomb and tap him on the head and say, hey buddy, wake up. All he said was, Lazarus, get out of there. And Lazarus walked, stood up and walked out of there, out of the tomb. His voice had the power. His breath had the power. He used his touch when it was needed to present his message, to present his calling. Now, he touched many people to heal him. He didn't have to. But his touch could create a personal connection that couldn't be matched. Because if you look at these people who he did reach out and touch to heal or who he did have contact with, it changed their life forever. When Jesus touches you, it creates a connection that can't be matched by anything else in this world. If you've been saying Jesus has touched you and it has created a connection that nothing else can match. It's not possible. So Jesus has that power. We're going to look today at Mark chapter 1, verse 40. That's going to be our first part. We're going to have three verses here. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. It's going to be up on the screen. You can use your Bibles if you want to. We're going to talk about a man that had leprosy. I just told you about the ten lepers that Jesus sent to the priest and they were healed on the way. This story is a little bit different. He proved that he's already, or he proves that he can heal leprosy just by saying anything. But this story is a little bit different. We're going to talk about that and look at that. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about leprosy. It's something we've all heard of, but maybe you don't know the the details of it. Maybe you don't understand the characteristics, the symptoms of leprosy. Leprosy uh, is a is a disease. It, at that time, if you were diagnosed or if you were found to have leprosy, the average life expectancy was about 10 years. Within 10 years, you would be gone. Uh, symptoms of leprosy would be fatigue. You'd have pain in the joints. You would have scaly spots that would develop on the skin. Your body would become, become covered with lumps that were filled with pus. Your face would literally change its structure to where your face would resemble a lion. You would go from like a, lion, uh, a human-shaped face where your bone structure would literally change or your face would almost resemble that of a line. Um, the uh, scales that would be on your skin would also start to grow on your vocal cords. So a person with leprosy would have a really raspy voice. They wouldn't be able to talk normal because the, the scales would actually affect that. Your body would start the process of decomposing. It would just, it would just start killing itself and it would start to decompose, so you would begin to have this stench. So parts of your body were covered in scales. Parts of your body were covered in lumps that were full of pus. Parts of your body were just starting to rot away. It was awful. It was awful. People who had leprosy were sent out of town. 
They were made to wear bells. They were made whenever they walked around to scream unclean, unclean. So everyone knew to stay away from them because if you touched it, you uh, if you touched a person with leprosy, you gave yourself a very, very high chance of getting it yourself. So as someone with leprosy would walk around, they would have to scream that they were unclean uh, to keep people from touching them. Now, so they were isolated. They were kept away from everyone else they had. If they had families, they had to leave their families. They had to go. So leprosy caused isolation. What it also did is it kept the victim from being able to feel what they touched. Those sensory systems in your hands, in your skin, also became affected. It was a nervous system uh, problem. It, it affected your nervous system. So your sensory organs or your sensory nerves began to be affected. Someone with leprosy can't feel pain. The scales, uh, the sores on your body got to the point where you couldn't feel the pain and it became a problem where if someone was walking around and they stepped on something that cut their foot, it would be very possible that they could not see or would not even know that they hurt their foot. So then they keep walking around and the foot ends up getting infected. It's already starting to decompose and it can literally get to the point where the foot would eventually just fall off before a person with leprosy even knew that they had injured themselves. It was not a long process. So it was something that, it was a, it was a horrible disease. If a leper went someplace that had hot water, they could try to wash their face. And if they could not feel with their hands that the water was hot, they could blind themselves. Because when they put their hands in the hot water, they wouldn't be able to tell if it was hot or not. Um, same thing if they're around a fire if they got close to it they could see the fire obviously but if they got close to it they might not be able to realize they were too close and couldn't tell it was burning their skin it's about the worst thing I can imagine in terms of your skin someone having to go through uh, to be in that kind of condition and not be able to know exactly what's going on it's, it's, it's just, it has to be horrible. And this verse, these verses we're going to talk about was Jesus was approached by a man with leprosy. Verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 40 of Mark, it says, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can make me, or you can heal me and make me clean, he said. This man with leprosy, this man with this disease that we just described, literally came to Jesus and kneeled, knelt in front of Him and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can heal me and make my body clean. We have to be at a point in our lives where we're willing to go to Jesus and say, hey, I'm at the end of my rope and if you are willing... You can save me. You can rescue me. You can heal me. You can make me clean. You can do whatever you want to do. We have to be at that point. And this man with leprosy had reached that point. He had gotten there. The next verse, Mark 1.41, this is the key verse here that we're talking about there. It said, Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. And he said, I am willing, he said, be healed. But the, the point I want you to see is moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. Now, here's the thing. When he put his hands in the, on the deaf man's ears to heal him, he put his hands there to heal him. 
when he mixed the mud and put it on the blind man's eyes, he used his hands as part of the healing process. The Bible tells us in this instance, the man with leprosy, he had compassion and reached out and touched him. It doesn't say he reached out and healed him. It says he reached out and touched him. <coughs> Jesus, God, in His earthly body, in His earthly form, realized that that man had not been touched in no telling how long. And the simple act of reaching out and giving physical contact to a person meant as much to that man as being healed. Reaching out and touching him gave him as much pleasure as it did being, being healed. If he was at the end of his rope, he had been isolated for almost 10 years. It had been almost 10 years, potentially, or could have been, since someone had even patted him on the back. There's a study that's been done that shows that athletic teams that are very active about patting each other on the back or high-fiving before a game perform better than teams that don't. Your team actually performs better if you give each other a high-five before a game. You would think that wouldn't matter. But the human touch is a powerful thing. And Jesus realized that the touch, to touch this man, would be just as powerful him, to him as it would be to actually heal him. Jesus reached out and He touched him. And He made him whole. The next verse says, instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Instantly. If you go back and look the verse before, he touched him. Then he said, I'm willing and be healed. And instantly. It wasn't the touch that healed him. It was the man's faith and Jesus being willing to answer his prayer. That's what healed him. That's what answered his prayer. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. When is the last time you felt like Jesus reached out and touched you? When is the last time you felt that Jesus reached out and touched your life? I asked myself this question, and maybe that's why it was so hard find my direction in this sermon. Because I feel like Jesus impacts my life every day. And I know that He touches my life every day. But when I sat back and looked and really asked myself, when was the last time I felt Jesus reach out and touch me? I think I struggled with that so much because I took the touch of Jesus for granted. When good things happened or when He blessed my life, I didn't really sit there and think, you know what, Jesus just literally reached out and touched me. 
I just said, well, I'm so glad that worked out. Jesus touches our lives in more ways than we can ever imagine. But when was the last time you really felt Him reach out and touch you? When was that last time? Some of you, it might be blatantly obvious. But some of you, you might have a struggle finding that exact specific time. One time I know for a fact that Jesus touched me was when He saved my soul. I felt that. I know that. I remember that. I'll never forget that. I know when Jesus touched me that evening over at Maple Avenue Baptist Church. Never forget that. I know Jesus touched my life the first time I held my kids in my arms. Because that's a miracle that I was so fortunate to even be a part of. I don't deserve kids at all. And for some reason, God said, okay, you're going to get four of them. I don't deserve that. But He's trusting me to care for one of His kids and to raise one of His children. And if that's not pressure to do what you're supposed to do as a parent, I don't know what is. Because I'm literally raising a child of the King. And if I don't do my job, I will steer them away from Him whether I mean to or not. So when my twins come up and they rub my arm or they play in Heather's hair and you feel that touch, that's the touch of Jesus on your life. And it reminds me that I have to be the parent I'm supposed to be. Yesterday before we left to come back down, Timmy and I came back down. Heather and the girls stayed with her parents for one more day. I walked up to Sydney and I said, get up and give me a hug. I needed a hug. Have y'all ever just needed a hug? You ever just needed a hug? I said, Sydney, give me a hug. And she stood up and it's not fun anymore because she's almost as tall as I am. I used to have to lean over to give her a hug and now I'm backing up from her because she's just she's just grown so much. I pick up one of the twins. McKinley's good about this. I pick her up, I hold her in my arms and she'll lay her head on my shoulder and she'll go, Oh It's the sweetest thing ever. I pick up Lincoln and I hold her and I give her a hug and she'll headbutt you in the face and laugh. And it's the sweetest thing ever. I walk up to my son and I put my arm around him. And depending on who he's around, he'll either put his arm back or go, Dad, leave me alone. And it's the sweetest thing ever. But as much as I need that touch from my kids, God wants to touch us, but He needs that touch from us too. It would have been easy to talk about the lady that reached out and touched God, but I want you to know that God is there to reach out and touch you. 
Because see, if I talked about the lady that wanted to reach out and touch God, then you would have left here thinking, I've got to go to Him to find what I need. And I'm here to tell you today that God reached out and touched that man with leprosy because He loved him. Because He had compassion. And God has that same compassion and love for you. God hasn't moved. If we have to go closer to God to get His love, it's because we've moved. He's always been there. So I'm telling you today that if you feel like you need to get closer to God, then that's on you because He's there. But you don't have to move very far because He's already reaching out to touch you. All you have to do is lift up your hand and He's going to hold it. He's going to take you where you need to go because He loves you. He loves me with all my faults, with all my problems, just as much as He loved that man with leprosy. And He saw that He needed a pat on the back. And He did that before He even healed him. I look at all the depression in the world. I look at the suicide rate being so high. And there's so many people that just need a pat on the back. And somebody to tell them they love them and they care about them. There's a lot of people that just need a hug. I think back to those people in Russia, how they held those Bibles so tight. It was a possession to them that was worth them having. And then I think to the people in Atlanta that were just indifferent at best. And I think a lot of times in life, we go through life so fast that we become indifferent to the people that are around us. And when somebody might need a hug or somebody might need a handshake or somebody might need an arm around them, we're too busy to stop and take possession of that person's feelings in that moment. What I'm trying to say is I don't think we love people enough in a simple way. I don't think we love others enough. I don't think we show our Christian love enough. I don't think we love others the way Jesus loved enough. I just don't. And when I say we, I'm in that we. If we see someone in need, do we reach out to touch them? Or do we just try to help their problem and send them on their way? When Jesus saw someone who had a true need, He didn't just help the need, the physical need. He helped their spiritual need. He helped their mental need. He helped the whole picture. And I think a lot of times we get so tunnel vision that we just want to take care of one problem at a time. And when we look at this man that had leprosy, Jesus reached out and touched him with compassion. Not only did he heal his physical ailments, he changed that man's life. Spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. And I think that's where we miss the mark sometimes. We need to touch others with the compassion of Jesus. We've seen Jesus work in our lives. We've tasted... We've experienced Him working in our lives. Are we still hungry for Him like the people of Russia were back in 1994? Are we still hungry for Him? Or in your life, 
are there things that have taken His place and you hold on to them more than you hold on to Him? Where's your priority in life? Are you loving others the way Jesus loved them? Are you loving Him the way He loves you? Or is something else taking His spot and you hold on to that more than you hold on to Him? If you're holding on to something more than you hold on to Him, you need to let it go really soon. Like now. And grab hold to the only thing that can provide a way for every situation in your life. That's Jesus. Because at this very second, He's reaching out to one of His kids. And all He's wanting you to do is reach back and grab His hand and let Him pull you in tight. And you can lay there close and feel secure in His love. If you don't know Him today, there's no better day than to know Jesus as your Savior. If you do know Him today and you've got something that's taking His place in your life, there's no better day than to come and give your life back to God. To throw away whatever obstacles in your way and give it back to Him. There's no better day. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for today. We thank You for this day that that uh, we've had in Your house this, this morning, Lord. We thank You so much for the fact that You love us, that You want to reach out and You want to touch us, You want to hold us. Lord, I know how much it means to hold my kids. And Lord, I can't even imagine how much it means for You to hold us. Lord, if there's things in our lives that we're holding on to that are taking Your place, Lord, I just pray right now that those chains fall, that those, whatever it is, we break away from and we reach out and grab hold of You, the author and perfecter of our faith, that we see You, that we taste and experience You, and Lord, that we hold on to You. Lord, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know You, I pray that You'll just touch their hearts, Lord. Let them come today to give themselves to You for salvation, Lord. Let them accept the eternity that You have for us. Lord, this service is being Yours. This invitation is Yours, Lord. Have Your way. In Your name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from Crossroads, South Arkansas. If you're in our area, we would love to have you join us in person for a service. Crossroads South Arkansas, reaching, inviting, serving, and expecting.